We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together, and we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me today, Fox 40's Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? I'm terrific. There's not, there's no rain in sight, and I'm getting absolutely. I, I'm getting people on my side now. I, I am out in these streets, and people are like, "Dude, we hate the rain too." Keep talking about it. And it's like whatever. I'm not going to keep talking about it, but it is cool. I, I should mention out shout out Ian at Yardhouse for saying hi to us just in the past couple of days. Um, I was out with some friends last night, literally in Elk Grove. I can't remember. I don't think I got his name, but a big 49ers fan came up to me at my favorite favorite restaurant out there, Peony Palace. Shout out Peony Palace at the Mongolian barbecue line. And he goes, hey, you know what? Be be kind to Brendan. Be, you guys got to leave Brendan alone. Very nice gentleman. And then uh, <laughs> at the Chris Peony at Target, Palace, that happened? At Peony, yep. At Peony That's Palace. That's your place. And then I was all by myself at Target uh, down uh, in over by the Arden. Uh, no, no, sorry, not the Arden area, by the Natomas area. <laughs> this guy just walks up. He's like, "Man, what are they gonna trade with Sean Holmes?" <laughs> so it's it's really kind of cool, man. It's like the various uh, the various approaches I, I really enjoy. So that's all in just the past three days. So I think this this uh, little podcast, fellas, is catching on. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I, like I've told you this a million times. Like the podcast is what every. It doesn't matter how much TV work or writing that I've done. Right. Uh, it's it's always the podcast. Uh, hey, hey, James, love the podcast. Uh, <laughs> all right, thank you, Mister Norwall. <laughs> okay, and of course, let's introduce Brendan Nunes from oh. the King's Pulse podcast. See, I got my mic back. I can, I can sure go ahead and crank it up. <laughs> What's going on, Brennan? Lucky us. Not too much, guys. I'm doing good. Um, it, it's funny because I definitely get similar comments on the other side of, "Don't, don't feel bad, man. Don't feel bad. They, don't let them bully you." And I'm like, guys, I'm fine here. Like, I'm really not going through it or anything. So nobody puts Brendan in the corner. No, no. That'd be nice. <laughs> That'd be nice to him. Uh, that's funny. Uh, all right. Well, we've got plenty to talk about today. 
Um, the Sacramento Kings just keep winning. I'm so not used to this. What is happening? Uh, they've moved six games over 500 at 24 and 18. Uh, can they get to like? Well, I, I was hoping they could yes. get to 30 before 20, but I before 20 losses. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but maybe who knows? Uh, they've actually opened the door for a possibility of that. Um, James, but, they might be in third. They might be in third by week's end. Maybe by Friday. They I, actually, I think they could move into a tie or, uh, oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, I could have sworn they were within a half game, but now they're not their game back of came New back. Orleans. Uh, yeah, when does, I, I'm not sure when New Orleans plays. They play um, today against Miami. Oh, okay. So, yes, they could move into a tie for third or they maybe even uh, solo possession. I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, th- this is pretty wild. We're seeing some really good basketball uh, on the offensive end, some uh, absolute trash defense still. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll get into a short discussion here on what's happening and what's happening later tonight. We're recording this. Let's see what is today. Today's Wednesday. Uh, they take on LeBron James and the Lakers this evening. Um, but let's just get to the, the basics. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube and don't mind, could you give us a thumbs up? If you're new to the King's Beat, um, we would appreciate if you subscribe. Uh, also, go to thekingsbeat.com and subscribe there. Become a premium subscriber to get an invite to the happy hour, which I think we're going to do next Thursday. Um, that's sort of where I'm at right now. Um, oh. I, I think it's possible that the Kings don't play and that we have an actual day where we could fit one in. Um, so uh, we'll work on a guest for that date. And... Uh, I'm pretty sure. So I think that is that the 24th? No, 25th, 26th. Let me see. Yes, yep. I think that's the 26th. So tentatively, put that on your on your radar. 5:30, to 7:30. We usually run the happy hours, and we'll have a guest for you, uh, and all that stuff. Um, so keep that in mind. Um, outside of that, like again, it, it's kind of fun to watch good basketball, or at least competitive and winning basketball, whether it's like 100% good basketball or not. Brennan, uh, what do you make of this? Uh, is it five game or six game streak where they've scored 130 or more? It's five. Yeah, five games now. I mean, it's borderline historic offensive production. I mean, it's a little disappointing that they still managed to lose one of those games. And I think it's very telling for just how poor their defense can be at times. Even that game against San Antonio, um, there were moments in that first half that I thought were pretty concerning on the defensive end. But I've started to come around to think that against these lesser teams that there's just going to be a quarter at some point where they do play defense and win the quarter by 10, 15 points. Like I I feel like we've seen it a couple times now where the defense is frustrating for a majority of the game, but all it takes is a decent stint, a, a quarter of really locking in on that end of the floor and Sacramento's offense will still be there more often than not, it feels like. And then they're able to take off from there. There's 39 to 26. They outscored San Antonio in that third quarter. Um, I, I forget which game it is. There was a 41 to 24th quarter during this same stretch. Um, it probably I, I, was against the Rockets. I, I think it was one of those Rockets games. But I, I've really come around to like expecting, even after a poor first half, that at some point they're going to have a great quarter if they can lock in a little bit on the defensive end. And I think context is important with the teams that they've been up against, obviously with it being the Lakers, Orlando, Houston, twice San Antonio, like these are not good teams, 
but I mean, when you're putting up those type of numbers, it really takes just a 12 minute stretch of actually locking in on the defensive end. And then you're kind of able to run away with it from there. Yeah. And I think, you know, to that point, it, it is important to point that out. People should be excited because this is the stretch of games where we were hoping that they would build some of that equity we've talked about, build some of those, you know, five, six games over 500 and, and take care of business for the long haul of the regular season that, that comes once you get back, once you start this, like, what is it, a seven game road trip coming that's on the horizon? So, mm-hmm. um, this is, these are things that, uh, could, get people into a, a frenzy and thinking the team is better than what they are. Um, not that I want to play the, the negative person here because I think people should be very, very excited. I think, again, uh, we talked about weeks ago that we feel that this team is proven that they're going to be a competitive basketball team, efficient, high-paced offense, and one that uh, is going to compete and probably going to be a play in the playoff discussion. So that's fine, but it's also helped to notice that you know, there's still only four games that separate you from like being the 11th seed. So, just having bearing that in mind, uh, this is this is that important stretch where you really need to capitalize. And to Brennan's point about you know the streak of 130, it, right before they head into LA tonight, yeah, I I kind of expect them to throw up 130 points again because uh, they did it against the Lakers. The unfortunate part is that loss did come against the Lakers, so there is some payback. It's very interesting that this is going to be the final game between the Lakers and the Kings of the season, of the regular season, and uh, that's just very strange for, for division rivals to uh, be done with each other at the midpoint of January. Very, very odd. Yeah, actually, I'll just bring that up right now while we're discussing it. It's It's a monumental game. Like, I know... The Lakers are at the bottom. Uh, what are they, like the 12th seed right now? Maybe even 13th? Uh, I was just looking at it. Yeah, they're 13th. Yeah, they're not good. But if you can knock them down even another rung and put them another game in the loss column. But the other thing that people need to realize is that the Kings have already beat the Lakers twice. And if you beat them a third time, you now have the season series. Which, if there's some reason that the Lakers put it all together and come storming back and you end up so you end up tied at the last game of the season, but you're tied and you're tied for the eighth spot. Well, now you're going to get the home court advantage, you know, in a play-in game against the Lakers. And and that's big. I mean, every single thing that you can get, every one of these little pieces to the puzzle, you got to try to obtain. And, you know, like the Kings have lost, what are they? They're two and one against the Warriors. I mean, they're one and two against the Warriors. They got to find a way to beat the Warriors that last game to split it just in case. And uh, and I think it go- also goes to the bigger picture of the Pacific Division. I mean, this team has an opportunity to actually win the Pacific, which I did not think was a possibility at the beginning of the season. No, even if they all. yeah, even if they made the play-in or the playoffs, I still expected them to be like the third or fourth best team in the Pacific. And that's just not the case right now. So I think these wins are good. I, I think that the win streak, what are they? They're four straight right now. We've talked about like the nine game stretch. They're five and two over the the first seven games of the nine game stretch with two highly competitive games against teams well below them in the standings right now. And so, like, I expect this to be a pretty good game against the Lakers this evening. Uh, I I don't know. LeBron is questionable, but I'm going to guess he plays. Uh, They're still down a a few other players, including Anthony Davis. And, you know, so you got to go out and take advantage when it's there for the taking. And you can't have one of these games where Thomas Bryant goes for, what, 29 and 12, and uh, Dennis Schroeder has 
27. And I feel like, like he's going to be a huge factor again, though. I mean, he was a monster. Well, if he's hitting his shots, he's really good. But, like, I, you just can't give him, like, like a wide-open run. I, I feel Talking like— about Thomas Bryant? Because I, I think, like, even the yeah. physicality he played with, like, that, that was smack the kings in the mouth kind of thing. Yeah, they need to have a better answer, better response to that. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, just— um, I guess we'll we'll just take off from there. What are you expecting tonight, Brendan, from this team? Because they have shown that, you know, they they kind of have started to build something. They're they're on a roll, and it seems like they've almost like woken up to the where they are in the standings. The realization of like what this stretch means and how they can build, uh, like sort of their war chest for later in the season when things might get tougher. I think that Russ and LeBron have have given the Lake or have given the Kings some issues, and that's just the lack of perimeter containment that shows itself in the points in the paint that they give up. That Mike, Coach Mike Brown, has been emphasizing needs to be cleaned up so much for what feels like months now. The real issue in that late, last Lakers game is the Lakers had seventy points in the paint, and I, I did think Thomas Bryant and Dennis Schroeder played big parts, but I thought that was off of the penetration of LeBron and, and Russell Westbrook and then them kind of making plays from there. But really just protect the paint best you can, force that team to try to beat you from the three-point line. I mean, the Lakers are 29th in three-point attempts and 27th in three-point percentage. Like, this was the game, if I'm not mistaken, that they didn't hit a single three in the second half. And I, I think that you just need to force the Lakers to beat you from beyond the arc and be better at protecting the paint. I think this is, while the Lakers do have a not great looking record, I think they have a lot of talent. And this is a good opportunity to show that you are improved at, at protecting the paint, which is like far and away your your biggest weakness. And I think we're all expecting LeBron to play. Um, even though he's coming into this game as questionable, he's certainly had a couple games that he hasn't played this season. But I, I, it seems like he's always uh, questionable in the injury reports uh, lately, and he still manages to gut it out. I know it's an ankle injury for him, but um, I'm, I'm definitely expecting him to play. Can by the way, can I say so, like we not to switch gears, but just analyzing the the, the standings and looking at them so much. Um, I think we were the kiss of death. I know like Devin Booker's injury has a big, great deal to do with it, but like when we thought that even still that the that the Phoenix Suns would be this this uh, team to kind of still reckon with in the West uh, or even in the Pacific division. And then they lose nine of 10. Like, I think that's our fault. I think we did that. Do you think we did? Well, I think that's our, if, fault. if we have that power, we need to do that to a few yeah. more teams. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. My gosh. Yeah, the yeah. New Orleans Pelicans are really good. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Can I, yeah. I, you know what? But I might go the opposite on them. Like I was, they've been in like six overtime games. I kind of still feel like they're a little bit of a, not a not a not fool's gold like i just don't think they're as good as they are i think like sixth sure third no way i think a lot of people would say that about the kings too yeah probably and yeah. you know what they might be right by, by, by the way that they defend but i have no problem with that like for the kings it doesn't matter like sure as long as you're as long as you're in the dance i mean that's that's fine um but for the pelicans i and, and maybe the same thing applies especially when you're dealing with an injury to zion williamson but i just don't think they're as good as I just don't think they're third. I really don't. Yeah, I, I haven't been sold on them, especially their their injury issues. I, there seems to be some sort of uh, like conversation around Brandon Ingram missing nine games with a bruised toe. I don't know if you saw that. That like some of his teammates might be questioning, like, "Hey, what's going on there?" Um, I, I don't know. That team is 
it really is a team filled with injury-prone players. And so you can't say, hey, we didn't expect to have the, all these players miss time with injury. It's like, okay, what did you expect? Because those guys always miss time with injury. So I'm not really sure how that, that would be, you know, it would pan out differently. And I, I don't know. Hey, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and that's the response. Like the, 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 the flip side of that coin is because of that, look at they've still been up there now. They've been able to secure third in the West. It's like, you know. That that maybe they are what they are. I just for some reason I watch them play and I just I've I constantly scratch my head with them. I, I don't know how they do it. Um, they've got great talent. I'm not trying to take away from them, but I just third in the West. I don't know. They Good got some them. nice. They they've got they some nice tertiary they pieces do. too. Like I I like Herb Jones. I like uh, was Grand Theft Alvarado. Yeah. <laughs> I I like I like some of the the smaller pieces on their team. And I've always been a. CJ McCollum fan. I, I think he's just a really, really good player. Um, I don't think he's an all-star. I don't think he's exceptional, uh, but he's he's a very, very good NBA player. That that level, like right around what Rudy Gay was in his prime, or maybe a little bit better, um, but just a really high quality player. I, I like the moves that they make. I like the draft picks that they make. I like Dyson Daniels. I like, you know, they they do a lot of things that actually make sense when you're building a team. But they still don't have enough shooting. They they still have right. some holes that they got to fill. Well, no, out. when Zion's on the floor, it's it, it's completely different. It's different, you know, and that and it looks it, it's a well oiled machine at that point. So I wouldn't want to see them in his playoff series if he's healthy. But if he's not there and he's not healthy, or there's even any kind of question mark, they don't really scare me that much in a playoff series. Hmm. Just looking random random thought. Looking at the top six and kind of talking through some of the injuries that some of these teams have, like the Kings have to be the most healthy of this top six, right? They've been extremely healthy this year. And at, at some point there's going to be, I mean, probably going to be a hiccup somewhere there. And Domas is obviously the one that would hurt you the most. And then from there, um, I guess you'd kind of just seeing how it goes, but the Kings have been extremely, extremely healthy this year. And I, I think that's played a big part. What about yeah. Denver? Denver, I can't really think of a of an. And I know they've had some like Michael Porter. You know they watch. Right, I was bit. just thinking of those guys coming back. Right, I thought it took Murray a little while to get going too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I th- the Kings have had a bunch of one offs, right? The, like the like Kevin Herter misses two games. I think he missed. He had one other game, one other point in the season where he missed one game. Um, Leek Monk missed a game. De'Aaron Fox has missed three total, but two one stretch and one another stretch. Sabonis has missed one game. That's pretty good. Like that's you know we can't really like put a finger on like one player who's missed like three weeks or something. Uh, finger on, pun intended, uh, <laughs> with Demonis Sabonis and Keegan and what they're dealing with. Yeah, I think Keegan missed a game too, right? Uh, like I, I think he's missed a game. I think he missed um, the first game of the year. That was COVID, right? Oh, was it? I COVID? Forgot about that. I can't remember what it was. No, I think he might be right. Yeah, that was that was a long time ago. It seems yeah. like a long time ago now. We're, we're not used to having a good time during the season and seeing like success. So I, it's just very different. It's very different. So um, okay, uh, I think we'll start with uh, Sabonis. Uh, what we've seen from Sabonis, of course, over the last you know the entire time he's been in Sacramento King, but really over the last couple of months has just been like stunning how good he is uh he wins western conference player of the week um for this last week averaged a triple double on the week well well deserved um and kind of like it it keeps putting him in not just a conversation for um 
you know, for uh, for the All Star game, but we're we're starting to talk like All NBA. Like I expect him at this point to become like third team All NBA, just because there are two centers that are um, both MVP candidates that are you're probably going to rank above him in uh, Jokic and Embiid. Um, but just where are you guys putting him? I guess you know, like with this with this award, um, you know, it's pretty stellar to see. The Kings have two players in one season win a Western Conference Player of the Week award. Uh, you'd like to see it carry on and him maybe win the Western Conference Player of the Month. Uh, I think it definitely will depend on the Kings' record coming out of the month. But uh, he's been just about everything you could possibly imagine and then maybe like a lot more. Yeah, 21 games played since the start of December. He's averaging 21 points, 14.2 rebounds, just under four of those being offensive. 7.7 assists, and that's 63% from the field. If you want to throw in the 46% from three on just over one a game as well. I think my most recent thing with him where he's been super aggressive, like this guy has a broken thumb, and I, I feel like last game was the most dunks we've seen from him all year. He was extremely aggressive. Zach Collins stood no chance guarding him. No. When when it was <laughs> when it was Jakob Pertle, that was a fine matchup, but Zach Collins was just getting destroyed by Sabonis and it looks like it looked like his eyes lit up I can't remember the last time we've seen Domas just be like this is I can do whatever I want right here like this is barbecue chicken and he just went to work and I thought that was amazing I think this is the part where I have to like say I think that Sean was right I didn't know if Domas could be a guy that's a 20 plus point per game scorer and we've seen him be more of that and I've loved the really aggressive getting his own shot but not like forcing it but just recognizing his opportunities more and obviously, if it bends the defense when he's attempting that, he's still going to make the right pass. But I think that he's gotten so much more aggressive on the offensive end when it comes to getting his own shot. And he's still going to do all the little things well. I mean, can't say enough how much he enables the rest of his teammates, makes everybody around him better on the offensive end. And he's been all you could hope for defensively as well. So I guess this is where I say I think Sean was right. Ah, yes. Let me stretch my legs. Enjoy this moment. <laughs> he's not yeah, there man. yet. He's, he's well, at 18-9. No. He gets stuck at 18-9. He has not hit 19. He's just like... <laughs> I've never seen a player that like gets limited at such a strange number and so high of a number. But then you, you kind of feel like, oh, I don't know if he can... I don't know if he can average 20 a game. I think he can. But I don't know if he can for, for 82. I, I don't know. I think he can average 19, but just getting to 20 seems like it's a really difficult thing. Should be the goal of the coaching staff to make sure he gets the amount of shots and attempts and looks necessary to do that. I mean, just what a workhorse, though. There's really – he – there's so much he can do. I mean, we just gush about him every single every single uh, week we do this, and – Every every game, you just see his importance. I mean, whether he's even bringing the ball up the court, whether he's um, just his court vision, the rebounding. I mean, he's putting up numbers that just make you go, "Wow!" Like, what what are you doing? And it's it's like having a it's not quite having Nikola Jokic, but it's it's about as close as you can get. You know, it really is. And so, um, and he does it in such a smooth way. Like sometimes, like Jokic, who's probably one of the most fun basketball players to watch on the planet. Um, not that Sabonis is terribly far away from that but sometimes you look at when Jokic does stuff and you go how the hell did he do that like the most unathletic person on the floor just did something that was not only athletic but like almost like a magician with the basketball 
when Sabonis does it, it's like, oh yeah, that made sense. That was beautiful. <laughs> like this is this doesn't look clunky. This looks like, oh sure, yeah, here he comes going court to court and just a one-handed bounce pass into the lane for a dunk. Like it's just, it's just, it's fun to watch uh, every single night. And he's a shoo-in. For, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to put a jinx on it, but he is a shoo-in for the All Star team. There's no way coaches are going to uh, go against and, and move him out of that out of that slot. Um, he's just been that not only impactful for his team uh you just look all over the leaders he's just it's just Sabonis all over the leaderboards so uh to what he does as an assist player uh, to, to, as a playmaker it's just it's ridiculous so um I think Kings fans should be very excited they get excited to see you know their their team represented on the national stage and and he's definitely going to do that there's no doubt in my mind I think uh you know I was kind of having some fun just kind of ranking you know 12 players in the west and I think the, the conversation obviously gets harder for Fox. And I, I, I know that wasn't really the topic of discussion. We were talking about Sabonis. But um, it, it, I've seen people, I've seen even on the national stage, people ink both of those two guys in there. I don't think that's going to happen personally. Um, but, I, but I think that's okay, even if it doesn't. Like, like Sabonis is uh, going to represent Sacramento. And you've got an opportunity for Fox maybe. But I just I don't see it. Yeah, it's crazy. I was doing like a... a a look into the um, sort of the the deeper analytics. And one of the things that stood out is that, um, you know, Quinn Snyder used to always push hard for screen assists to be something that, like, people looked at in the NBA. And it was because Rudy Gobert was really good at it. Um, and it's also, it's something that Sabonis is incredible at. So not only does he average what, like, He's at 7.1, maybe a little bit over that right now, right? Assist per game. But then he's second in the league behind Steven, Steven Adams and screen assists, which are basically screens that lead directly to a basket for your, for your teammate. And uh, the numbers are, are absolutely crazy. Uh, so on the season, um, you know, he's averaging 18.9. He, then he has a standard assist that he's averaging – um, you know, whatever it was, 7.1, 7.2, 7.1 when I wrote this, but 18.7 assists, uh, points per game come off of his 7.1 assists, which is, which is crazy too. And then his screen assess, assists, he averages, um, like I think it's 5.5.3 per game. And that equates to another 13 points per game for the Sacramento Kings. So we're seeing this, uh, you know, go absolutely crazy and, and, you know, like the Kings scoring so many points is ridiculous. Sabonis between uh, his own points, between assisted baskets and between screen assists is at 50.6 points per game for this team, which is just like, holy cow, how in the world are you being that impactful? Um, for one player to account for, you know, 50 points a game is, it shows you the value of him, but it also shows you how difficult it is to replace him if he's either injured or misses some games or you just need someone on the to bench for five minutes. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Bless you, James. The, uh, yeah, you know, even going, just looking at the double doubles, man, like at halftime, the amount of double doubles we look over and it's like, seven. Oh my God. Yeah. Seven first half double doubles. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. <laughs> No, it, it is. I mean, like, I, it's hard to not sit here and talk about just how great he is. And the other thing I'll bring up, too, I, I know, like, people, like, must have a drinking game when I bring up Mason Plumley, 
but it also it, if you look at uh like the way that Mason Plumley actually impacts a game, it's similar. He's just like the really, really poor man, Sabonis. So he's like fourth in the league in screen assists. He also averages over three assists per game on the season. And he accounts for quite a few buckets, even though, you know, he doesn't have the sheer volume of assists that we're seeing from uh, from Sabonis. He still does impact the game. And he's a player that, that's why I bring him up, because it's so incredible it's so hard to like figure out how to replace Sabonis or even like how have your team not slow down when Sabonis steps off the floor. Um, but then again, I mean, do we really need to worry about that with the Kings averaging, you know, leading the league at over 120 points per game and scoring 130 every night right now? I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Can, can I throw one of my factor caps your guys way since it fits oh. this conversation? Oh, oh are we going to jump the gun? It's not your turn yet. Just one. We'll keep the others for later. (laughs) It's a now and later. Uh, Right. It's a now and later. So if the season ended today, DeMontis Sabonis would be third team all NBA. There are two guards, two, what's the wording they use? Wings, forwards, and then there's a center on each team which is why Embiid didn't make first team last year because Jokic was first. And in my mind, those are still one and two, Jokic and Embiid. And then just to throw some other names out there for the conversation, um, I think Bam Adebayo belongs in the conversation. 21 points, 10.1 rebounds, 3.1 assists. He's great on the defensive end. Um, if you want to throw Jarrett Allen in there, just under 14 points on 63% from the field, uh, just under 10 assists or rebounds as well. It's really hard to find other names that belong in there though like anthony davis stands out but he's only played 25 games this year the jared allen one was a stretch like that's you know what i mean i'm like, just trying to mention other names for you know, sure like, and that that shows you the sheer drop off and and reason right like out bio you mentioned right there the only reason you can consider even out bio is for how great he is defensively right it weirdly feels like I, I guess I'll let you guys answer too, or answer first. But factor cap if the season ended today, Demontis Sabonis is third team All NBA. Well, fact, yeah. There's, there's no there, to me. There's no doubt in my mind, James. I see you hesitating, and you're oh. muted, so it's even worse. Oh, James isn't with us. James, oh, James, James, Mr. Hammer. Oh, I forgot to unhit that unmute button. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, he's um he's third in the league in win shares. Like he leads the league in rebounding. Uh, he leads the league in defensive rebound percentage. Um, like to me, he's he's a top. I don't, is he a top ten player? And I mean, I'm not saying like he no. is a top ten player. Like he's playing as a top ten player. Did you try again? Now my watch <laughs> is going off. I think he Pets like if you if you off. if you look at statistically speaking, and you look at his impact on the Kings, his impact on winning. Uh, you could make the argument that he is a top 10 NBA player at this point. Like, especially the advanced statistics say that he is. So, I yeah, is he, like, all NBA for sure? Um, will he get there? I, we'll have to wait and see because, you know, there are some politics that go on here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it would be huge. I even, because there is a, you know, we have this weird thing with his extension, Right. So the Kings could try to extend him this summer, but they're really not going to be able to because they can only give him a small percentage of what he would make on the open market. Um, 
because his salary for next year is only like 19.2 million. Well, I looked in, you know, there are clauses in the the CBA that say, well, if you make all NBA, like first, second or third team, or if you're uh, in a league MVP or like there's like specific things and you're eligible for a larger percentage of salary cap and all this stuff. And so I checked with Eric Pincus, uh, who's a salary cap expert, and he said, yeah, that won't work because um, he was traded uh, during his first four years. So it eliminates him from getting like the super max, um, which I, I don't know, that seems like a strange rule and a strange way to penalize somebody. Um, but either way, uh, like I, I was looking for other ways that maybe the Kings could find a way to extend him. And there is like sort of a weird, sneaky way the Kings could find a way to extend him this summer. Um, I don't know that it will happen. Um, but like because you can, when a player is entering the final year of his contract, you can renegotiate a contract the final year and then you can extend off of that. So the Kings, if they're under the cap, which they will be under the cap, they could actually use their cap space to bump Sabonis' salary from 19 point whatever million to say 30 for next season and eat up like an additional like $10.6 million in cap space. And then they could sign him to a four year or five year extension off of that, basing the number off of the 30 million mark. So there are ways to actually, I just went cross-eyed on that one. Try to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's so, complex. And, and the have, benefit I mean, he, sorry, would just ahead, be Brian. to be able to reward him with more money. Well, the benefit would be that you would lock him up for a five or a secure contract now, as opposed to having to wait until he's an unrestricted free agent the year the next year. But he's okay. still he still stands to make more money with the unrestricted free agency, right? Well, yeah, I mean, but is he going to make forty million a year? I mean, it's possible. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's where you're looking. That's right. Like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> he, he has no reason and nor should he to cut any team a deal. And if you're talking about you know 30 million for 6 years, if you can do that, that's pretty that's pretty special, but no no, the starting um, salary would be 30. That's what I'm saying. Like if you can bump yeah. him up to 30 million, then your basing is his 8% raises off of that amount. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't like know. that there's a like there there is an outside chance, but I'm gonna guess that the Kings have other things earmarked for this summer, and then that they're gonna try to retain him with every ounce of their their being the next year. <laughs> like, I mean, that's yeah. it is what it is. I mean, you're starting over it, as a franchise if you lose him. If if I'm so. a betting man and I'm not, but if I am, uh, it's it's heading to unrestricted free agency. I think I think. You know, it's the right thing for him to do. Uh, I think his people would say the same thing. And I think, honestly, it's not, it has, it's nothing to do with whether or not he wants to be in Sacramento or not. Uh, I think him being on the open market, being wined and dined, him being able to choose his own destiny for his for not only his future, but for a winning situation and all that stuff, I think is exactly what they want to do. Yep. No, I, I could, think it's that in- could be that could be very well here in Sacramento. So I don't want anyone to like be scared about that. They should be nervous about it because, but it's still off in the distance. Enjoy the now, and uh, yeah, the things are trending the right way because because if you're if you can't win, uh, then if you can't show that you can sustain success with them, then it's not gonna it's not gonna be an option. 
Yeah, he wouldn't want to be in Sacramento if they weren't winning. I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, and and it kind of brings us to, like, the next conversation. Uh, Although, uh, Brennan, you have something you want to add? Uh, Not too much. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think he should be all NBA. I I think, to Sean points earlier, he should absolutely be an all-star. It shouldn't even be a question at this point. It's weird to listen to, like, a Zach Lowe podcast, and he's talking about how Sabonis should be a starter, and there's not much question, like, what type of world are we living in right now? Um, I love it, and Sabonis is absolutely deserving. The last Sacramento King to make an all-NBA team. Uh, James and I looked this up before Sean hopped on, but Sean, would you like to take a guess? The last Sacramento King to make an all-NBA team, I want to say Weber. It's actually DeMarcus Cousins. uh, Made second team twice. DeMarcus Cousins. I think 2016-17, the year he got traded, uh, was the last year. Most recent. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a while. I'm actually embarrassed I forgot about that. Yeah. It's all right, Sean. Shame on me. It, we'll I'll blame it on the rain. The yeah. No, it's not <laughs> raining anymore. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so it brings us to the, like the next conversation because uh, right behind Demonis Sabonis in the Player of the Week category was Harrison Barnes. And Harrison, like his stats for the week – were like beyond incredible. Like I, I don't even think I've seen something like that from a Kings player. He shot like sixty six percent from the field and like sixty four percent from three. Um, like his week was absolutely wild and crazy. And I guess it leads us to the discussion of, like, I mean, if he can be your third best player or your third best scorer. Um, it makes you a better team. I mean, he's right there. This is how I thought this season would play out where they had like three or four guys that could actually be the third leading scorer on this team. But he's up to 15 points a game on only like nine shots a game. He's shooting 36.6% from three after shooting 16% in the first like two weeks of the season. Uh, Like everything that we're seeing from him is pretty spectacular. But now the Kings are almost in like, I don't want to say it's a worst-case scenario, but it is kind of the worst-case scenario. Like, you got to a point where you have a player who is an unrestricted free agent this summer, um, but he means way too much, not just on the court the way he's playing right now, but way too much as far as, like, to your chemistry, to your culture, to everything that you're trying to build in Sacramento. And you're going to have to risk... I, I don't think that there's any way around it. The Kings are going to have to risk walking into this offseason with Harrison Barnes as an unrestricted free agent and whatever that entails. And so I guess more of my question, do you think the Kings have done enough to show Harrison Barnes that maybe he does want to stick around? Uh, the way I look at that is I think the Kings have shown enough by virtue of bringing on Demonis Sabonis. I think a lot of his success is as a result of Demonis Sabonis. So um, I also feel like he's he's really found a um, comfort level within the offense and and even with the I mean I know there's no defense being played but even with the <laughs> with what the defensive concepts that they want um, I I feel like uh, where he's been at his best is when he gets to the free throw line because they don't really have outside of Sabonis they don't really have another guy that really does that a lot um, I mean Fox with a little bit. Le- yeah, but I think like with consistency, like with, um, hey, we need to snap a six zero run here. Yeah, we and... have to slow this thing down. Yeah. Right, right. When they want to be, when they want to, you know, 
make a move like that they're they're those are the two players they're capable of doing and they can get to the line and they can be efficient from the line and uh it's he's he's playing exactly the way i'd I'd hope more so like i i I mean i I think he should always be taking 11 12 shots a game i think he should um be extending the floor i think he could hover around 17 points a game uh and and lately he's had like 30 point games he's had 27 point games you know i don't even know that it needs to be like that but it's been fantastic to see uh when you're putting up 130 points uh, people, people are gonna score. So uh, I like what HB's doing. I think the confidence is high with him. Uh, they're just such a well-oiled machine right now on the offensive end, uh, and it's it's fun to see because of how efficient they are. I mean, there's there's moments where you see. I, I still question whether or not this team is a good three-point shooting team. Um, that sounds crazy in a way because of how many points they put up. But there are uh, sometimes I feel like they're too a little bit too reliant upon it. Um, but I feel also that the way this team runs and can attack and uh, the way they move the ball uh, definitely leans towards them having high success on the offensive end. So um, it's almost like it doesn't matter if they are or not. They've found a way around it. You just hope that they can build a little bit of uh, of, of success defensively. But, um, yeah, HB is a part of it. It is fun to see. You've got three guys that are in the consideration of a Western Conference Player of the Week. Um, I can't remember the last. You've got to go back probably oh two before that happened where you've had consideration like that. So you got two guys that have won. I think that's 05 is the last time that happened. Am I right, James? I think you saw that. Uh, the 05, I think it's 05, 06 when you had two different players win Western Conference Player of the Week uh, as, as has I happened don't remember. this year. Yeah, I, I saw somebody put it out, but I wasn't sure. And then I'm to have sure. a third one that the third one that's even really even considered or in, it, it had a had an opportunity to do so is uh, it's pretty great. Yeah, eight months or eight games in the month of January for Harrison Barnes, and he's putting up twenty two point one points on fifty five percent from the field, fifty one percent from three on seven attempts a game, and to Sean's point, five point six free throw attempts, eighty eight point nine percent from the free throw line in the month of January. All De'Aaron, Domas, and Harrison are above five free throw attempts a game, which I think is really big for this team. Um, but he seems like the big X factor. You know, there's been 12 games where he scores 20 plus and the Kings are nine and three in those games. And then there's also nine games where he scores less than 10 points and the Kings are three and six in those games. Like I think HB showing up is really important for this team um, when it comes to the decision that they're going to be forced into this off season or are pondering, I'd imagine right now at the, as the deadline approaches, I think that they have like a pitch to HB that didn't really exist when we were coming into last season, you know, like now that it has clicked, I, I think there's a way that HB can look at this as a place that he can win some basketball games and like compete a little bit in the playoffs. We'll have to see how this postseason run goes and what the ceiling of this roster is and where they continue to develop from here. But like the whole argument of, or trying to pitch HB to stay, I feel like, before just resolved around, well, do you want to just stay where you've been and not like have to uproot your whole family? And now it's like, no, this is a legitimately good basketball team that is well coached, that has stars. And I think he can fit into what is like an ideal role for him. There's going to be other intriguing options. I think Cleveland is the one that's been pointed out to me before that uh, actually managed to clear up some cap space in their, in their Donovan Mitchell deal. And I think he'd make a lot of sense on the Cavs. So there's going to be other intriguing options obviously for hb if it comes down to unrestricted this deadline but the kings have a legitimate pitch now and i don't know that that existed coming into this season outside of like 
a hypothetical on what this year could look like. Yeah, that's a really good point, Brennan. Um, I, like, I think that they can pitch him. I think that they, he will consider sticking around uh, where I did not feel like coming into the season that there was any chance. Like, we're seeing him having fun. And I think that's what he wanted. He wanted the joy of of basketball to be back, you know. And I, I think a lot of players in Sacramento lost the joy of basketball, uh, including De'Aaron Fox. And I, I think that they're finding it. And uh, to go back to Sean's point, uh, a lot of that is Demonis Sabonis. You know, he just makes everything easier for everybody. And, you know, that's that's a big deal to go in and play with someone like that. And, like, you bring up Cleveland – I'm not sure that Harrison Barnes wants to move to Cleveland. Um, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but uh, that you know, it's going to be a good basketball team. But at the same time, you know, he has put down roots, and if you did give him incentive to stay, I think you could also like we could see something if if he does make it past the trade deadline, which I expect. Uh, I think that we could get to a point where maybe they discuss an extension. Um, maybe I'm crazy on that, but like it but seems like it would be a good time. Here's my question. Should they? Hmm. Why I mean, not? I mean, this is this is way too early of a conversation to be had, but like, should they? I would say yes, and, and I'll say because I don't think. Okay, so he already like he inked a declining scale contract last time, right? And it was a lot of money, but it went from like nineteen point six to eighteen point three. I think is what he makes this year, eighteen point three or eighteen point four. Like, would he take a a a three-year 45 or 48 million dollar contract that went you know like 17 16 15 or 16 15 14 and then when you're looking at it that way um the salary cap is going to go up a ton uh in two years with new television deal kicks in you're going to have you know sort of your core and whether harrison is starting or coming off the bench i just don't think they have an ability to replace him like this off season, the I'll even make this statement, which sounds crazy. H- have the Kings ever, in their history, their thirty-eight years in Sacramento, ever signed a free agent that was better than what Harrison Barnes will be this this coming off season? Like just statistically looking at his stats. So like well, if you can't, and and I'm not, I'm saying like if Harrison leaves and you had to go spend it on someone else, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can they get someone who's better? Well, you don't have even to if it it's via, younger. You don't need to do it via free agency. I mean, I think, I think the, the the only argument I would make is that for the role that Harrison Barnes can play on your team, Keegan Murray could probably do that by next year, at least come close to it. And and, and my need... point would, right. But then my point would be, you need depth, and then you need, you know, I still think this team really needs a three in the in the, like a starting val- bona fide three in the worst way, and. Um, you would hope that that was Barnes, but they don't play him like that. And, and so, like, even if you have Barnes, you still need that. So I, I feel, I don't know, I feel like you can make an argument, and I'm not trying to, you know, piss all over the the, the keep Harrison Barnes crowd because I'm almost inclined to believe it. But I don't, I, I do find myself wondering, you know, it, it, when you have a decision like that to make, and look, I'm probably at this point inclined not to trade him. But what does that look like for the remainder of going what going into this offseason and, and for the future with Sacramento? I don't know that I'm in the camp of 
like ideally you'd want to get something for him i get it but when you're playing as well as you are and he's a big part of the success you're having unless you're upgrading that position then you're not going to trade him so therefore you get to the offseason and he becomes an unrestricted free agent you run the risk of not getting anything for him and that and to me that's almost fine i know that's a, because I, I i feel like you can you can use that to identify um, something else later on. You can find trades. You can find whatever. Um, may not be to your liking right away, but I just don't know that, you know, I find myself wondering if, if extending him is the right answer or if it's out of kind of a desperation feel, you know, where you're like, wow, he's played really well, really coming off of two seasons offensively where he's played really, really well. We want to double down on that and tie him up to a three, four-year contract. And that part, I, I just, I don't know. I question. Hmm. I think he can't be a final answer. Him and Keegan Murray can't be your like front court for or your your two forwards wings for the next couple years. Like I, I think that if we're talking about this team making another jump, they do need a better wing in that spot. I, I think you could bring back HB somewhere around that like three forty five ish number that uh, that James was mentioning, and and still look to. Or, or just kind of wait for an opportunity to take your next swing on on one of those wings to upgrade that position. Maybe HB can kind of gracefully move into a bench role. But like, I, I think that that sort of number moving forward um, would be fine because he is so important to this team. But it definitely can't be like a okay now that he's extended like that position's set. I, I still think that they need if we're talking about making that next jump for this team that it has to kind of be that wing forward spot that they need another long-term guy next to Keegan. Yeah. And that's why I've always said like, look, if you can get a guy like John Collins, which, you know, whether that works or not, I mean, he really hasn't played that well. He's, he's had injury history. Um, he's owed a lot of money, but if you could get John Collins without giving up Harrison Barnes or Keegan Murray, then yeah, if I can have those guys as my three forward set going forward for the next three years and I can bring back Harrison Barnes, I think that you're you're okay then. Um, are, are you elite? M- maybe not, but I think you could still be really good depending on where Keegan Murray goes with his career because I think, you know, Harrison's going to be able to give you consistent minutes whether it's off the bench or whether it's starting. And, you know, I, I think that you would have potential to be like, you could do a lot of different things with that group of three forwards where this year, you know, who is the third forward on this team? I mean, at this point, it's probably Trey Lyles. You know, and and I don't think that anyone feels like a hundred percent secure that that you know having Trey Lyles as your third best forward um, on a playoff team is is like a perfect world. He's playing great, so. by the way. I will. Say oh, he's that. playing phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's been way better than anything I thought he would be this year. Yeah, I, yeah. I think another way to look at it too is like I feel I feel like a successful team needs Harrison Barnes to play a specific role. And if Harrison Barnes is part of your future going forward, like in order for the Kings to have success, they need him to play a role that's that's going to be a little bit more important, especially on the offensive end, than maybe a, a really good team like a Dallas, for example, if he went back to Dallas, or a Memphis, if if he if he went there, or even Cleveland. To your point, James, if he, if he ended up going, or I think it was Brendan, whoever. Uh, if it if if he ended up going there, I think it's 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 a different type of role that they'd be asked to play, um, that, because I feel like he's still if he's in Sacramento, you're almost counting on him for at least the next two years to be a important piece, a a, a third fourth best player on your team. Yeah, a fourth fifth 
I mean, maybe even sixth. I mean, and is I there a possibility? I, that... It's a de- it's a decline too. Is my point? I feel like the, there will be a decline with him within that stretch, and maybe that attention is better suited elsewhere in the in the event of like, for example, if you go with someone younger and you're hoping for somebody who's going to kind of uh, blossom into the moment and you pair them with Keegan or something like that. I don't know. Just spitballing, but no, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think it is a, a really good discussion overall, just on like, what do you do in this situation? Because, you know, you are a team that, um, that doesn't, you know, lure or attract uh, free agent signings. It's really tough to go out and get, you know, a big name free agent or even a really, really solid player. I mean, I remember one of the first things the Kings tried to do, Monty McNair tried to do, wasn't it, uh, was to go out and, and get Derek Jones Jr., right? Like, that's the type of free agent that you're used to getting in Sacramento is that level of free agent. You know, you're Rashawn Holmes, you're Dwayne Dedmans, you're uh, Trevor Ariza, but at like 36. Like, you're not getting... Zebo in his prime, you're getting 35, 36 year old Zebo, and and so it's it's something that you always have to be cognizant of of the, well, can I do anything better than this? And I, I know that shouldn't be the way that you run your franchise forever, but it I don't think the Kings are past that point where they can start thinking that they can do much better than Harrison Barnes in free agency, or even via trade when you know you brought up the trade, but like look, their first round picks are tied up. Like, sure, maybe someone would take a 2027 first-round pick, um, especially with the potential for, you know, Sabonis to leave. But, like, maybe they won't. And, you know, like, if you can't replace Harrison Barnes, uh, it's really difficult to figure out what this team would do next. Because I, even though it's just Harrison, you would take a step backwards. It, you know, you got a guy who plays 33, 34 minutes a night and does what he does on the court. And uh, the Kings just don't have that type of player. They they and historically they haven't had many of those types of players. So either way, I think it's it's good food for thought, uh, especially with him playing extremely well. I, I looked up his numbers over this week, the four games this week, twenty five and a half points, sixty six point seven percent from the field, and sixty four point three percent from three. On top of that, he shot seven threes a game, hitting four and a half. He shot 5.8 free throws a game, shooting 87%. And for the guy who pointed out the true shooting of Damian Lillard, which was like 71%, um, actually, that's what he quoted. It was actually when I went and looked, it was 69%. Um, Harrison Barnes' true shooting numbers was probably like 80% this week. Um, that's how good he was. Like, that, he was incredible this week. Um, okay, two, so two or less rebounds in three of those four games, you know, not going to cut it. <sighs> it's not going to cut it, man. No. Different, different. <laughs> it's, well, when the ball's going in the hole all the time, like what's happened with the Kings over the last uh, five games, there aren't a lot of extra rebounds. There are fewer rebounds. And when you're not playing any defense, there are fewer rebounds. When every team that's playing against you is shooting 60, 50 to 60% from the field. What are the, Didn't the Lakers shoot like 61% from the field against the Kings in the last win? Yeah, yeah that's those- that's tough. All those points in the paint, man. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, let's uh, let's get to the business of basketball. Uh, the business of basketball. Um, Brandon, I'm sure you've got another factor cap for us, but um, we keep bringing this up, and 
Uh, I, I don't know what you've heard, Sean. I don't know what you've heard, Brendan, but I continue to hear that uh, the Kings are wide open on players like Rashawn Holmes, Alex Len, Terrence Davis, uh, that that if they can move those guys between now and uh, and February 9th, that they will. Um, that doesn't seem like it's a lot to offer. Well, uh, well, it, if you can get better by moving some of those pieces it, that don't play for you, yes, that don't factor into the equation, yeah. Yes, sure. they're motivated to move those guys. That's what I continue to hear. Um, I don't even know that that's the right answer. I mean, it's like, you know, there's, of course, you there's these guys don't really factor into your equation very much. No, so you're hoping that they factor into somebody else's so you can try to find a find a taker and and find something of value you feel you can bring in as well but to say that they're open that i mean come on now well and it'd be like attaching seconds there's not a fucking yard sale sign out throughout the golden one center (laughs) jesus christ i i think there's there's a yard sale sign yeah i think i've seen it 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 might be down the street they they might hide it like by temple coffee or something um but yeah this team is going to continue to be active they're going to continue to try, and the pieces that they are going to try to work with uh, are players that are on the fringe of the rotation or on the fringe well, of, uh, you know? If you're being no? aggressive, you're you're looking beyond just the people who are on the fringe of your rotation. You're you're looking you're looking at everybody, bro. Like, you are. Yeah. And well, you're not looking at That's being bonus. aggressive. No, and I don't but... think you're looking at Fox. And, yeah. I, I mean. You're being aggressive. You're, you look at everyone. You want right. to know what the value of your of your franchise is. You want to know what I mean that to me that's being aggressive. And when people call you, you know, they're not calling you for hey, what's that Alex Lenfella like? I'm oh, <laughs> not doing that. No, no. And, and like look, if the Kings are going to make a a larger move, like I I don't think that that they're going to try to break up the core. Like we you ever, keep play, talking, you ever like, trade baseball cards, or in Brendan's case, Pokemon cards, or something like that? Like, <laughs> what, what did you, what did you trade? Right, you're like you had your five cards, and you're like, oh, this is my team right here, and you, everyone's looking at your shit, and you just go, and and you know the ones you'd like to trade. Boy, I wish I could trade this Charlie O'Brien for a Will Clark rookie card or something like that. Brendan, you wouldn't get that joke, but James nope. definitely does. Yep. All right, but like you're looking at everyone looks at your cards and goes, oh, I like that one, and it's like, of course you like that one. I'm not trading that card. That's how it works in in professional sports as well. So of course. So yeah, you yeah. might have the ones you'd like to move, but the ones you'd like to move, no one wants. So like you have to navigate I, those waters. I, I would agree. I would agree. But in the NBA, there are expiring contract. The value For of expiring sure. contracts. There are the the value of of picks. There are you know the value of even like digging into the back end of your of your like eight man rotation, you know, would you be willing to move on some of these other players? But I think the answer is probably yes. If it meant that you got considerably better. Um, but I, I think that the Kings are like actively shopping like a handful of players uh, in an attempt to get better. And, you know, their hope is that, you know, they can find another piece that makes sense that helps them today and helps them tomorrow and helps them potentially, secure where they are in the standings or or even you know get better in the in the long term um and i think they're going to be aggressive so on top of you know your basic expiring contracts and and your players that you know i mean the kings have a lot of expiring contracts it's not just td and uh, and len they also have trey lyles they have chemezi they've got um i think 
Kaziak Paul is just non-guaranteed for next year. Uh, same thing with Delavadova. Like they've got a bunch of pieces that you can piece like put together in a bunch of combinations of values, which is intriguing. Uh, but on top of that, they also have um, all of their second round picks. They've got a 23, a 24, a 25, and a 28 extra second round pick. So basically over the, na- the next like six drafts, they have 10 second rounders, um, which have value in, to some people and not to others. And then they have a $4 million uh, trade exception from Halliburton and a $1.6 million trade exception from Bagley, uh, which both expire like right before the trade deadline. Um, so they've got some little pieces to work with. Um, you know, we, we keep talking. Do you think they'll make a move? Do you think they won't? Um, but like, do you think they have enough value to do anything? I think if we're talking marginal moves, like this backup center conversation we've been having for a long time that, yeah, something like Alex Len and Terrence Davis and a second round pick or two can go get you a Mason Plumley. you know, like I think that if we're talking that type of marginal moves that the names you mentioned, you could get something if you're attaching some later draft assets. I, I think if we're talking about a big swing, it comes down to uh, Keegan Murray or and or Davion Mitchell. But I, I think when it comes to the guys that you mentioned, like I think they do have enough to just try to get another guy that they feel comfortable being like the eighth, ninth man in their rotation, if that's what they're they're really searching for. Sean, yeah, I mean they've got enough. They've got stuff to make moves for sure, and. Uh, you know, it'll it'll come down to whether or not they find the right piece for them. You know, if they find, uh, I don't think they're going to just make a move to make a move. And and you know, a lot of moves, some moves set up future moves as well. You know, especially with the business side of things. So I don't really know what those moves could look like at the moment. I, I know, you know, I, I I've been told of certain things that could be enticing to Sacramento and um, options that, that might be worth pursuing. But, um, you know, it's it's a lot of uh, poker being played, um, a lot of posturing as well. So uh, you're going to hear a lot of stuff from now between the February 9th trade deadline. So um, I, I think what, what will uh, – I'm curious to see how, if they can sustain the success that they had and continue to add equity, how that might change the the calculus and, and the maybe the decision making that that could play a factor. Like, do do you become more aggressive? Do you shoot? Do you aim higher? Do you aim lower? Do you? Um, I don't know. There's a. I think there's some really tough decisions that that could be made in the coming weeks. Yeah, the uh, the seven-game road trip that's looming, it could decide a lot of things about the way the the franchise like sort of values this specific team, this year's group of players, and you know what what you're gonna do, whether you're gonna like go all in on something crazy or whether you know you understand that you're gonna take a step back. Um, I, and I still think like the goal is to win every single game possible. Um, that, that hasn't changed where I know a lot of teams, that's not their goal this year. The Kings have run through some of those teams in the last week where their goal is clearly not to win every single game possible. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of the way it goes, especially when there's a, a big name player like, uh, Victor Womanyana waiting for the, the winner of the, the draft lottery. Uh, but 
you know, I, I think that the Kings will, will try to, I, I think Monty McNair will try to like make his team better. I think he sees the same holes that everyone else does. And if he can make the team better, he will. That's kind of the way I would look at the next couple of weeks. All right. Uh, yeah, do you man. have any more factor caps for us? I do. Um, fact or cap? The Sacramento Kings right now, six games above 500, right? We've talked about flirting with five games above 500, and they finally passed that marker. Fact or cap, the Sacramento Kings will end the season five or more games above 500. Ooh. Well, that's a hell of a question, Brendan. Hmm. Uh, dead air. <laughs> I'm going to say fact. I think why? they will. Uh, why will they they uh, finish above? Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like this team, I, like, I think that they, they've got something. And I, I think that they're, like, once they got over the hump of the four games, um, you know, that's, it's kind of a big hump for them. I, I think that they, they've gotten to a point where, um, uh, you know, like, I think they're hungry for more. So I'm not sure that they're, they're going to make it there, but I just kind of have a feeling that this team is, um, uh, they're more of a per win percentage team than I thought they were. So like, I, if you know what I mean, like there's, there's a difference between being four games over 500 um, at the 35 game mark and being four games over 500 at the 78 game mark, as far as win percentage wise. And I think that they can maintain some of their win percentage that they've got right now. And that will probably lead to like, I don't know, like 45, 46 wins. That's kind of where they're at. Maybe 47 wins. So, hmm. I don't know. I um I'm gonna say as currently constructed, no. Uh and that's not just being a dick. I just think they're they're Sean's way too bad defensively. <laughs> no, I mean they are they are a special team offensively. We've seen that and we've talked about that. Uh and I think you can hover around the the, the, the maybe five games, but I really think, you know, it's gonna be a little bit closer to, to three, maybe closer to you know. We've seen this team do some really special things. We've seen this team really struggle on the defensive end, and I just can't take that away from their DNA. That that is who they are. So um, that's why I put so much emphasis on this little streak about really trying to build those 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 wins. And I'm I'm happy to see uh, the fruits of their labor and being able to get above uh, get to that six mark and and possibly take it higher. Um, but I do feel like there's going to be a stumbling block along the way. Uh, I, I feel like if they can avoid that and really kind of swing for the fences again and add a really substantial piece, um, then, then yeah, maybe you can hold that mark. But I say I, I'm going to just caveat it s just a little bit, and I'll go cap only because I think as currently constructed, I think they will fall below the, the five games over 500. I don't think they'll be able to hold that. Hmm. I'll go with fact, but it is, like, super close. I, I think this is right about – the sort of record that we're talking about, like 46-ish wins. Um, and, and the last time that the the Kings did this were was 05-06, the last year they made the playoffs, and that was with Adam, and they went 44-38. and 38. Um, I, I think that it's going to be really close. I could see it going either way. Since I have to lock something in, I'll say fact. I think this offense is good enough. Um, 
I, I think that what it really comes down to is they just need to be better at home. I, I think on the road, they've been about what you would want. They're 10 and nine. They're one of only three teams in the Western conference with a positive road record. The other two are the top two teams in the West uh, nuggets and Memphis are both 11 and 10, but the nuggets are 20 and three at home. Memphis is 19 and three at home. The Kings are 14 and nine. So I, I think if they can clean up, uh, taking advantage of home court, uh, which is something that we've heard the coaching staff and and all the players on this roster really talk about the importance of, and that's going to be tough to do when you struggle the way they do defensively, but thinking that they'll probably make another move, even if it's something just kind of on the fringes, I'll say fact, but I, I think it's pretty close here. Um, next purple one. Purple Kool-Aid drinking sons of I said fact. I, I picked a side. <laughs> yeah. hmm. Next one, uh, which Okay, next one here. The Kings lost four games in a row this year, uh, the very first stretch of the year. By the way, I'll mention before, sorry, before I move on, the Kings have the 16th hardest remaining strength of schedule, according to Tankathon. Um, it's average. It's average. Yeah, right about average. And it's hilarious to me. They list the toughest opponents left left on the schedule and easiest opponents for each of these teams. And I'm not used to seeing Kings being listed under teams' toughest opponents remaining. Uh, that That's going to take some getting used to here. But the next one I have for you guys, the Sacramento Kings will have a five-game losing streak this season. Fact or cap. We're halfway through the year. We got to four at the beginning of this year, um, and I don't think they've had four again since. But teams go through stretches. What do hmm. we think? Uh, I'm going to say cap. I don't think they're going to – I think they're too talented uh, offensively, especially to suffer a five-game streak. I mean, certainly it's possible, but I, I don't think that they'll get that far. If you said something like – Three and I think three for sure. I think four absolutely possible. Uh, I just don't think that they're that bad to where they'll skid that far uh, to like a five game streak, barring injury. I guess. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Just like scanning the schedule. Um. I'm gonna say cap. I I don't think they will have a five game losing streak. Um. Just by looking at what's left. Like there are enough teams that I think are are not going to be like super into it uh, down the stretch, and you can see spots where, you know, again like they play the Bulls, the Nets, the Wizards, the Jazz, the Celtics, the Suns, like in a six game stretch, and like they're winnable games in almost every every five to seven game stretch that you look at. Like maybe you know if they have a massive injury, then sure. Um, but yeah, if I were betting, I would say, you know, they might get to four, but like taking that fifth game is, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a little tough for me to see. There's a lot of two game series on the horizon too. I mean, I know we've already had some, they were kind of spaced out, but in that, that seven game road trip alone, you're going to have two yeah. at Minnesota and then bookend it the other side of it two at Houston. You come back, you've got two with the Mavericks and then about two weeks later you've got two in oklahoma city so um yeah i, I just I, I like those types of matchups i like those types of scenarios and i i really like what's on the horizon for them even around the uh the all-star break guys like when you go from uh let's go from february 6th like if that's your cutoff and it's kind of at the back end of that road trip and you go two at houston you come home for two with the mavericks at at phoenix and then you go to all-star break okay so that that gets you to the 14th so let's 
and let's let's i think the the biggest opportunity for something like that to happen maybe you drop the two to the mavericks uh maybe you lose in phoenix maybe you, i mean then you come back in the all-star game and then you've got home for portland and then at clippers at thunder at thunder you know mm-hmm. so that's kind of the stretch where i look at if there was a skid possible uh you you can maybe the all-star break is in between and then you have that little hiccup before and after the all-star break maybe that's where you can find it but i i I mean it's kind of a silly question i just don't i just think the team is too talented to really sustain a or to to suffer a um a skid that massive right now earlier in the season sure but I, i just don't think that would happen this far now i think they've established uh too much of a competitive nature and again they're they're really special defensively. I know they're not, or excuse me, offensively. They're they're not special defensively. Um, I, I feel like there's a uh, a competitive spirit to them that wouldn't allow that to happen. Yeah, when they lost those four in a row at the beginning of the year, I think Mike was coach Mike Brown was still really figuring out the rotation. That's when Casey Ocpala was still starting, and yeah. the rotation just wasn't figured out. Um, since then, they lost three in a row in that uh, second night of a back-to-back in Atlanta. And then they played in Boston and then came back against Phoenix, which, which when Phoenix was still top of the West, we were talking about how it's a tough second night of the back-to-back on the road. And then you played the best team in the East and the West outside of that. Um, they haven't lost more than two games in a row this year. So maybe I should have actually lowered this number to, to four, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll you know, agree it, with you guys. Another way to, another way to look at it, Brendan guys is like, if they did suffer that, like, Boy, that would be bad. I mean, it would be it would be just such a blow to this team because we talk about how cluttered up the West is. Like, you'll still be relevant. You'll still be able to fight for your positioning. But it, that if something like that could cost you, um, oh yeah, you know, you could From fall third to eight pretty significantly. You know, and yeah. I, I I pointed out like there's four games that separate fourth in the West to the eleventh in the West. It, stuff like that can can really turn, and that's just how fragile it is in the West right now. No one's good. It's too much parody. <laughs> too much parody. The, yeah, the Suns I think are it's one in, and nine in their last ten, and they're sitting at twelve. It's crazy, I know it's crazy. It is wild. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know and what this team fault. is going to be. I, I don't I don't know. I I really don't. Like I could see this team easily still being a playing team. I still think that six is like a really tough ceiling to get past, even if they are like four right now. Like still six is like finishing at six at the end of the season would be really really stunning. Yeah. Um, even yeah, still, I, even right now, like I think some people would be like, well, how do you say that? They're fourth in the West. They've, they've shown that they can do that. I, man, if you could finish and, and avoid the play in tournament altogether. Yeah. That, that would be a monumental achievement. Yeah. I mean, if you're the Kings in order to progress, in order to take the natural steps forward, you want, you want a seven game playoff series. Like whether it lasts five or four, you, you still you want to be in one of those series. That's it. And so whether they can do that or not, I, I don't know yet. But it's certainly something that they've got to circle and say, okay, how do I get to that? How do I get to the playoffs? Not the play-in, because for this team to grow and to take those natural steps, you need to take that big step first. So anyway, I think it's intriguing. I have uh, one final one for you guys. All right. Ooh. All right. The Kings have three NBA TV games left this year. I'm not counting those as nationally televised games. So we'll say ESPN or TNT, uh, unless I'm forgetting anything else. The Kings will have another nationally televised regular season game this year, meaning the NBA would have to, what's the term they use, flex their schedule or something like that, um, and make that decision to 
to add one. So will the Kings have another regular season nationally televised game this year? Fact. And here's more to the point. I think it's more than one. I think they'll be added to the national television schedule, uh, separating it from NBA TV, because I know a lot of fans hate when it's NBA TV. I think it will be an ESPN TNT. I think you're going to get more than one. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to go with Sean. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be four, but I certainly think they can still fit in two. Um, yeah, I think they can still get at least two big-time games. Um, they, and the league knows that it. they took one away. Yeah, uh, the league knows that they took one away, and you know they took it away because Houston's bad, not because the Kings are bad. Um, but, you know, I, I still I think, think there's, yes. There's that skeptical feeling of like everyone else had, even us included, uh, a month ago, where it's like, is this for real? Is this, is this really going to happen? Now I think it's 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 now like no it's undeniable this is a fun team to watch. Uh they're in a lot of tight contests. They're uh you know they 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 even every, their blowouts so don't games, feel like blowouts. Yeah, all their games <laughs> so many of their games are going down to the wire man like and, and yeah. I, that's all over the that's all over the map as well because like the league in general like a 20 point lead means nothing in this league anymore. Uh, it can evaporate so quickly. So uh, it's not what it used to be, so I think even still, this team is going to be a team that I think already is kind of one of those uh, lead pass alert teams where um, people tune in and, and watch the ending of so many of these games, and by virtue of that, I think people are taking notice, and you just have to find the right situation. So yeah, I 100% believe that this will be a team that picks up an ESPN and TNT game, and uh, I think, I mean, just look at the Lakers. If they continue to struggle, I mean, there's they're on deep national TV so much. I know it's LeBron and he's chasing history. I think once that kind of subsides a bit, people realize that the Lakers aren't really fun team to watch. So, no, yeah, they're not. The, King, the Kings will be the 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 benefactor of that. Or the benefit. I don't think of my vocabulary right, but they'll they'll benefit from that. All right. Um, okay, let's wrap this thing up. Um, do we have any final thoughts, Sean? What do you got? Final thoughts. Oh man could take it anywhere uh i think we should talk some niners buddy this is some oh. fun i know you're a niners fan i know brendan yeah. is also a niners fan yes 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 yes, yes 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 uh what do we like against the cowboys coming up i am i am gonna have so much attention uh it, it, potentially if the niners keep winning the way they are uh, my attention for uh the coverage of them it's gonna really ramp up so it could be it could mean some missed kings opportunities but uh it's getting wild man i i think it they're fun uh they have more skilled players than any team in the league they have a better defensive line than any team in the league a better front seven um yeah i mean if i were to like like i don't know that you can beat some of the teams in the in uh on the other side of the bracket uh, like in the Super Bowl, but I think that this is a team that should represent the NFC. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I, mean, I think Dallas is a tough one to get past, um, but the Niners' ability to put pressure on the quarterback um, is tremendous, and I know Dallas has that potential as well, and I know Philadelphia has that potential as well to put pressure on the quarterback, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just like what I see from the from the Niners. I would be surprised if they're not at least in the NFC championship game. As a guy that did not watch any regular season football games, that the Niners oh, did not take part in. I oh, am a hundred percent a believer. 
Um, I am a I Brock thought you Purdy fell asleep fan. during football games or something. I don't like know. That. I'll, I'll watch five <laughs> football games. Um, only Niner games are the only thing I watch. I'm not going to lie. I've been watching playoffs, but throughout the course of the regular season, I'm not a huge football guy outside of uh, the Niner games. But I think that Purdy's uh, been fun to watch. I, I think that Jimmy had grown frustrating for myself, and uh, I, I like what they're getting there. And they just have so many stars and playmakers on their team. I'm all about it. I hate the Cowboys. I have too many family members that are Cowboys fans, and I would just never hear the end of it. Just force them and take as many field goals as you can because that guy can't hit any, apparently. Oh, that was rough. That um, was rough. Apparently, yeah, he was pretty nice. good throughout the regular season, but he missed yeah, he four. Was. Well, extra four extra point. points. points. Yeah. yeah. That was I, that's never happened before, right? I, I, don't, I don't think that that's ever happened. Like, even <laughs> and like if in it snow, did. And if it did, did that kicker survive the next week? Did he? <laughs> are we sure he's? Uh, they're know. pretty. They're sticking with him. It sounds like. I know. So, give me uh, a final score. What do you like? Niners, Cowboys, final score. Oh. I, I've been struggling with this. Not that I. I mean, I. I mean, look, you're going to have the Niners on more rest. You've got a rookie quarterback, which is still there. You know, Dak finally wins his first playoff game, and it comes against Tom Brady. And by the way, the Buccaneers look awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. They looked that, awful I, all year. They, they really I, did. I, I was hoping for this matchup because I, you know, I really wanted to see. I want to. I want to feel that. I didn't want to see the Packers again in the playoffs. I, I wanted to see the uh, another look. Like it or not, there's still a Niners Cowboys rivalry uh, with a lot of the fan base, and so I, I wanted to see that. But it could be a be careful what you wish for because <laughs> you don't want teams catching heat at the right moment, and they've been a decent team. Uh, dare I say, a good team? Yeah. I think the Niners' defense was ready for him, though. I think that's such a. I think everything starts and ends with that defense, and if that rookie quarterback Brock Purdy can just not wet the bed, like I said, and he comes off a career performance like he had last weekend, what do you think, James? Uh, thirty-one twenty Niners. Ooh, I like that. See, yeah, I'm trying not to get my hopes up because growing up a Niner fan, I can put that aside because, again, the only person I'm impartial to at this point is my pregame chat with Jerry Rice every every freaking pregame, <laughs> uh, who's basically the equivalent of Sourdough Sam out there. I mean, he's like a mascot for this team uh, and in a good way. It's just it's just so weird to see that the greatest receiver of all time is out there pumping up the crowd, but I digress. And with the Lakers like logo on his head, but that's okay. Yeah, for people who don't know, it's because his goat fuel energy drink has a sponsorship with the Lakers. And I said, I was like, hey, we can't get you up with the Kings. I mean, he's got, trust me, he's got people littered in the organization that, that he knows and has a connection to. And he's like, I guess I guess they tried and they, they didn't go with it. So. Huh. All right. Yeah. I mean, but if we know that it, the stars Roger are aligning, James. Super close with Vivek. Yeah. The stars are aligning, though. Like, if the Niners go to the Super Bowl, Sean goes to the Super Bowl. Oh. Who's at the Super Bowl, right? Oh no! Oh no! Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sean goes and shoots his shot. <laughs> Shoot no, your I'm shot. Not shoot my shot. With her, but <laughs> watch the He's queen already shot do her it. thing. Yeah. Well, it starts uh, with lining, guys. Uh, you no way Sean's I... gotten to this point in his life and not taken a shot yet. No, uh, I didn't. I didn't take my <laughs> shot, but uh, I would shoot. I would. Uh, no, I'm not going to. Uh, what I will say is, wait till you see <laughs> the hoodie I wear next week. Uh-oh. That's a tease. Yeah, next week. Not if we do another podcast this weekend or this week. I don't think I'll have it by then. But just, All just right. you guys, just you boys, wait. You Rihanna, Rihanna stuff. <laughs> Crazy Sean. 
All right, Brandon, do you have any final thoughts since we were completely sidetracked yeah, by sorry. Sean and it's his craziness? Um, I'll just say 27-17 for my guess. Um, oh, yes. Okay. Go Niners, obviously. I don't. Um, yeah. No. I'm good on final thoughts, actually. Jesus. Did you watch any? Did you watch anything? Did you get anything in no, the belt? Nothing at oh. all. Uh, I saw live on Netflix. Didn't click on it, but I will click on it soon. I didn't click on oh, anything. So you to be fair. Oh, you I closed out menu? of Netflix. I closed out of Netflix. I didn't end up picking something else, but did confirm it's on Netflix. I will get to it. It is. It's on Netflix. Yeah, I was looking at Netflix that day when we were talking. I was like, "Hey, okay. look at this! Look at all these movies on." You know, because the Burbs is fun. Like if like it's a throwback. He's not like it. He won't like it. I don't know. It's it's. So I good. think he will like. I think he'll like life. Can you promise me you don't fall asleep when you watch a movie? Don't go in your no. cradle. Just like you know, your swinging cradle that puts you automatically. Watch it in that <laughs> video game chair that you have right there, because you ain't falling asleep if you're sitting in that thing, right? No, you're not wrong. It's definitely See? because I throw. Oh, the only time I throw movies on is like pretty much as I'm laying down. Yeah, don't lay so. down. Keep your feet on the floor, because once the feet get up, I know how that. I know what happens. There we go. All right. I'll try. All right. So my final thoughts. Uh, number one, I hate skunks. We got a skunk or a family of skunks or more than one or I don't know in the basement. So that's <laughs> not been fun. Uh, there's nothing worse than waking up to the smell of like burning tar because uh, that's when is that close to your that close to you? That's what it smells like. Um, what so is that's going not on a, up there? Well, it's, this is it's almost skunk mating season, so they're all over the place um so oh, sorry, yeah what yeah so you're we using... had uh we had a dude come out today and put in uh a trap door in the basement so once they go out they can't come back in uh and they always go out they all leave every night and go and rummage and forage and then come back so we'll lock their their skunk ass out tonight so uh hopefully that and and if you guys have heard pounding uh like during the Those podcast the skunks getting it on uh, no, no. It's a family show, Sean. It's a family show. Well, you said it's mating season. Don't be a, don't be a dick, Sean. It's a they're, using, they're using your, your house as a, a soup kitchen. Go yeah. Um, my ne- my next door neighbor is getting a new deck put on right now, and uh, I see them out. Like, there's a bunch of people literally right outside the deck, outside my you're, window. Like, you're jealous, aren't you? You're about to go build a build a. I still can't do anything. I'm not there yet. Yeah. Uh, My next door neighbor is 98. Uh, Yeah. She just keeps trucking. Keep on trucking. So if you go down to your basement right now, there's skunks in your basement or like in the- Oh, they're hiding. Oh, no. They hide. They're they're nocturnal. So, yeah. So I have my floor in my basement. I have an unfinished basement, which is big. I have like 600 square feet plus down there. Um, But there's uh, an area where they can go underneath the wood- like there's a wood deck down there that someone built before I like sort of a floor, uh, before I bought the house and uh, I, they hide underneath there. Yeah, the, it's unpleasant. Trust me. God yeah. damn, we live different lives, man. I know I say that a lot. We but just, you can have a skunk in downtown Sacramento in, in your basement. <laughs> not, not living out. Not in an apartment, but yeah. And and, here, and I would call the I would call someone like Brendan, who who property manager, and say, Hey, Brendan. Or if I owned the house, I would say, I would call an exterminator, and I would. Well, I call I an exterminator. Go, I'd go yeah. Karen on them. I'd be like, if they couldn't <laughs> take care of this in five oh, no. minutes, it's no. Oh no, they're coming. Yeah, they're coming up. They don't go look for them. You can't go look for a skunk. That's even worse, because their fear mechanism is to like 
shoot at you. Yeah, no. You don't want that because then you're just like, no. you've done it all over. You you need to let them wander out on their own accord and then lock them out. That's that's how it goes. And I said, I told the guy, I'm like, well, where, where do they go? He's like, oh, they'll just do this to one of your neighbors. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's not very nice. He's like, yeah, just pass him my card. <laughs> just have him <laughs> move, Great business. Around the, move around the neighborhood. Yeah. You've got a skunk. You've got it a is a good business house. model, right? Yeah. Yeah, you've got a skunk trap house right now, and they're gonna multiply because they're breeding, man. You're, you need to. You need to. They're put con- some they're traps gonna be up. gone by the end of the week. They they come back out. I think they come back out to take the door, like next Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, yeah. So they put in a removable door in one of my vents, and then they'll pull that, and uh, and hopefully the skunks will be gone by then. Skunk mating season. That's something I didn't think we'd be touching <laughs> on the Kings Beat podcast, but here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. It's it's been a rough like forty eight hours, but it's not the first time. I mean, these things happen. These things happen when you live in the sticks. So, all right, uh, I think we've talked about all we can talk about. Uh, I don't think we're missing anything. Um, Almost done with White Lotus. Really like it. Oh yeah, I finished out a while ago. White Lotus season two, right? I'm um, two episodes into season two, so it means I got like what four left, five left, something like that. Something like that. Yep. You should watch um, it, Brendan. Think you might like it. It's on HBO. I, I've been busting through BritBox shows nonstop. It's just, I don't know, just my world. <laughs> I did go see, um, what should we call uh, Avatar on Monday with my youngest. It was, uh, it was a little, uh, a little violent. Yeah, huh. uh, I don't know. It was good, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Too many killing of animals and stuff. Jeez. A little strange. That so. that movie of breaking into LeBron's house that one of you had teased before just came out, right? Oh, no. Yeah, probably. I don't think I'm going to see that. Why not, I'm a James? little curious. Hmm. hmm. Is that the remake of House Party? Maybe. No, it's, it's two dudes who literally break into a house and realize that it's LeBron James's house and he's not there, so they throw a party. It's house party, right? It's remake a house party. I don't know. Is that remember kid and play had a house party? Yeah, I remember, but I don't remember them breaking into someone's house and it being someone. Like I I guess I forget the premise of house party. I thought the the premise was they were just going to a house party. Premise was to have a house party. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Brandon has no idea what we're talking about. No, he's embarrassed for both of us now. That's right. Kid and play. Uh, Sweet. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the king's beat podcast we'll be back later this week uh i don't know when but we'll be back for another podcast uh hopefully we can fit sean into his busy schedule with going down to niners um we will have a off the record with the king's beat virtual happy hour next week uh that's the plan at least for right now i will announce a guest as soon as possible um but uh that should be fun in order to get that you got to become a premium subscriber to the king's beat uh and i think that's going to do it so for Fox 40's Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunez from the King's Pulse podcast. I am James Ham, King's Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. See you soon.